This morning is Pentecost Sunday. It is the day we remember, celebrate, and give thanks for God pouring out his Holy Spirit. It is on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 that the church is born. And so to the church, we say happy birthday. And so... From time to time, we like to take the opportunity to just do some teaching on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a topic that is often misunderstood, that is neglected and abused. And so this morning, I want to give us a very brief introduction onto the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And then next week, I'll make it up to y'all, and we'll have a long time to spend some time studying the Holy Spirit more in depth. Run with me, if you will, to John chapter number 14. John chapter number 14. And I want to begin at verse number 15. John chapter number 14, beginning with verse number 15. And we'll read through verse number 26. John chapter number 14, beginning with verse number 15. As is our custom... And let us stand in honor and reverence to God's holy word. God has spoken and is speaking. Let us hear God's word. I'll read the odd number verses. You'll read the even number verses. We're reading from the English Standard Version. If you don't have that version, you can look along with us on the screens. I'll read the odd number, that's 15, 17, 19, 21, 23, and 25. You'll read the even number verses. We live in the age of coming core, so I don't, not too sure. All right, 16, 18, 20, 22, 24, and 26 is the ones you will read. That'll be an email. Here are the words of the Lord. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him 
and manifest myself to him. Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Prior to this section of Scripture, Jesus has revealed to his disciples that the hour of his departure is at hand. To hear this as a follower of Jesus Christ would have been devastating. Remember, these disciples had put all their hope in Jesus Christ as the long-awaited promised Messiah. And their hope was not just some feeling or some thought. They put feet to their hope. Remember that when he called these disciples, they left their careers. They left their assets. They left their families to follow whom they believe to be the Messiah. Because of how divisive or divisive Jesus would have been at this time, they probably lost friends, family. Their reputations likely took a hit. As Jews, they would have put their hope in this Messiah being the one to finally deliver them from the oppression of their enemies. Yet now the one whom they've put their hope in has said, I gotta go. He has told them that he has to die and he will be leaving them. And so knowing the devastation, the discouragement that would have been in their hearts, Christ now begins in chapter 14 with this theme of comforting his disciples. To, to do this, he begins the beginning of chapter 14 with these comforting words, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That that was to be a word of comfort. He says, I'm going to prepare rooms for you. And so to, to continue comforting him, he then promises his disciples. 
He says, I'm going to leave you, but you're going to do greater works than even I have done. This is for free. I won't charge you for this. But when he says you will do greater works, he likely was referring to greater works in quantity rather than quality. So he says, I promise you, you'll do greater work. You're going to keep doing the work that I have given you. My absence is not going to paralyze you. So he gives them the comfort of that promise. And then in John 13 and 13, chapter 14, verse 13, he says, he gives them another promise. He says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. And so this now is the comfort of answered prayer. Can I just stop right there on my way to my first point and put a little pen in this and let you know that if you are troubled this morning and you need some comfort, I dare for you to call on the name of the Lord. Oh, that's comforting. That ought to be comforting to know that I can call on the Lord and he will answer. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Do you know what everything is? Everything is your relationships. Everything is your job. Everything is your boss. Everything is that car that keeps breaking down. Everything is the home that needs repair. Everything is the basement you hope doesn't get flooded when it's all raining. Everything is... All the trouble that's in my heart. Everything is that wayward child. Everything is the child I want to have. Everything is being secure in my singleness. Carry everything to God in prayer. Jesus says that's what ought to bring us comfort. He gives them the comfort of, of answered prayer. But then to comfort them, he gives them another promise. And that's where we pick up in our text today. Jesus says in verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Notice here, beloved, what it means to love Jesus. To love Jesus is not just some sentimental emotion. To love Jesus is to obey Jesus. Hmm. Love and obedience are tethered together when it comes to Jesus Christ. Love for Jesus has ethical implications. To love Jesus is to obey Jesus. Now, let me be very clear here. That obedience is not how we earn the love of God. No, 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 no. That's stinking thinking. Obedience, love is the motive. Obedience is the action. Love is the cause. Obedience is the effect. We obey because we love the Lord. 
We obey because we are loved by the Lord. Love precedes obedience. There is nothing that we could ever do to earn God's love for us. We see that in John chapter 3, verse 16. You know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. First comes love. Then comes the obedience of believing the gospel. God loved us before we were ever lovable, according to human terms. So Jesus says, you love me, then you will keep my commands. But there is something else that Christ is doing when he makes this statement. He is making it clear to whom the promise is given. He's about to give them a promise, and he's going to make it clear that this promise is only for those who love him. So Jesus promises them. He, he, Jesus knows that it is an impossible task for human beings to obey all of his commands. Our nature is to turn up our noses at Christ. So Jesus now gives another promise to his disciples. Look at verse 16. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Jesus promises them help, but this help comes in the form of a person. So now, as we get into the heart of this message, look with me first of all at the divinity of the Holy Spirit. The divinity of the Holy Spirit. Up until this point, Jesus has been their help. He's been with them physically. He's been there to assist them, to aid them, to teach them, to give them feedback. But now he's leaving. And he wants them to know, even though I will not be with you physically, I'm not going to leave you without divine assistance. He says, I will give you another helper. Help me preach here. Say another That word another in verse 16 is loaded theologically. There are two words in Greek for the word another. One of those words means another of a different kind. Another of a different kind. The other word for another in the Greek means another of the same kind. When Jesus uses another here, he uses the Greek word that means another of the same kind. So in other words, Jesus is saying the helper that's going to come will be just like me. And we know that Christ is fully God. Well, since Christ is fully God, then this helper who is of the same kind as Christ then must be fully God as well. This Holy Spirit is what Christ is. 
Not only do we know that this helper is God by the term another, but we also know that this helper is God because Christ says that this helper will be with them forever. So this helper is eternal. He has no beginning and he has no end. Only God has no beginning and no end. Therefore, this helper must be God. The Holy Spirit is God. Why then is this significant? We already know this, preacher, that the Holy Spirit is God. Here's why this is significant, because that means the Holy Spirit, first of all, the Holy Spirit is not an it. The Holy Spirit is a him. In other words, I mean a person. Because I just heard all my friends go, why he got to be a him? <laughs> Don't start. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's too cloudy for that. Don't, do not start. Not today. Mm -mm, mm -mm. The Holy Spirit is a person. Stop calling him an it. Let me, let, me, let me see. Let me bring this home. What if I came and looked at your baby and I said, look at this little it. Y'all be ready to fight in the church. <laughs> He's a person. And because he's a person, that means we can have a relationship with him. You cannot have a relationship with an it. Now, y'all do love y'all phones and y'all's computers and that stuff. Y'all, that ain't right. <laughs> and so the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm going to help you. He is God, so we can have a relationship with him. But the significance of him being God also means that he is not, he, he, he is worthy of honor, adoration, praise, and worship. Because the Holy Spirit is God, he is worthy of honor, adoration, praise, and worship. He is God. So we can pray to him, we can sing to him, we can depend on him, we can trust in him because he is God. That's all I want to say about the divinity of the Spirit. Let me give now a few thoughts on the duties of the Holy Spirit. The duties of the Holy Spirit. Jesus makes it very clear he says that I am going to ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. By the way, I got ahead of myself when I got excited about talking about prayer. The Holy Spirit is a reminder that God hears our prayer and answers our prayers. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit in you ought to be reminded that you, God hears us and he answers our prayers. But then watch this. The text, this is just little observation skills. He, he says, I, I will ask the Father and he will give you the Holy Spirit. 
I will ask, he will give, which means that the Holy Spirit can't be earned. There is nothing that you can do to receive the Holy Spirit. But don't I have to believe and don't I have to make a decision and I, don't I have to make a choice? So don't I actually do something to receive the Holy Spirit? Look, look, look. This is where I get in trouble because we have so elevated the, the free will of man that we've reduced the sovereignty of God. I've told you before that free will is a misnomer. There, I, I, there is nothing really as free will. You cannot be free and be in bondage. Are y'all going to talk back to me this morning? Before Christ, we are all in bondage to sin. We are slaves to sin. So you can't be a slave and talk about being free. Let me see. Thank you, Holy Spirit. This is why I was thinking about this last night, and this is what the Holy Spirit reminded me of. It blew my mind. Yeah, this is simple for y'all, but it blew my mind. He said to me, what choice did Adam make when he became a living being? Okay, okay. Let's go back. Let me, let me, I got ahead of myself. If any man be in Christ, he is a new Creature, creation, thank you, thank you. So let's go back to creation then, since that's what y'all want to talk about. In the beginning, God created. The crown of his creation was mankind. God took the dust of the earth, and I'm always enamored that it was the dust, not the dirt, the dust of the earth, and he formed a man. But all we had was a body. For Adam to become a living being, God had to breathe the breath of life into him. Only then did Adam become a living being. What happened? Adam was, let's say, dead because he, there was no life in him. God sovereignly put his spirit into Adam and then he became a living being. Only after then could he make any choices. So if we are a new creation, if Adam is the old and we are the new, and Paul says this, we are dead, we are lifeless, we are dead in our sins, what choices can we make? So what God does is he breathes new life into us. And when the new life comes, then can we start making choices? I don't even know how I got there. Y'all was messing with me. And so he, the Holy Spirit, first thing, oh, he's a gift. That's what I was saying. He's a gift from God. You can't earn him. You can't Pray for a second blessing of him. He's a gift from the Holy Spirit, from God. So Jesus says, I will give you 
he will give you another helper. That word helper means paraclete. It means one who comes alongside of. It is used of persons or objects that come alongside of a person to aid, assist, help, or defend another. That same word was used for someone who gives legal counsel or aid, one who stands up or stands for someone else. The Holy Spirit is the paraclete in that he comes alongside of those who love Christ in order to aid, assist, help, and counsel. In what ways does the Holy Spirit help? Us. There are many ways, but contextually, he gives those who love Christ help in obeying the commands of Christ. Thus, beloved, here's what that means. Obedience is possible. We, we live in this day of age where we use our total depravity as an excuse for disobedience. But God has given us help to obey all that Christ has commanded. And so you don't have to give in to sin when you're a child of God. God has given us the Holy Spirit to help us to obey. He helps us. And that lets us know that we are not alone. We are never alone. And, and anytime, anywhere in life, we are never alone because we have the Spirit who is there to help us. That leads me into a next duty of the Holy Spirit. Indwelling of believers. Indwelling of believers. Verse 17 says, but you know him, that's the Spirit, the helper, because he resides with you and will be in you. I just told you, those whom God has chosen, he breathes new life into them through the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit comes and indwells believers, he, which means that he is always there for believers. He never leaves us. No, never alone. Jesus says, this is how you are different from the world. We know the Holy Spirit because he lives in us and with us. There, there, see, let me see if I can give you an example. This, I just came up with this, so it may not be that good. <laughs> Thank you, Jonathan. Help me preach. There's, if I came and told Jonathan something about Annie, that's Annie is his wife. And I said, Annie did such and such and such and such. Jonathan will either believe me or disbelieve him based on how he knows Annie. And he knows Annie because Annie is with him so much and Annie is a part of him. They are one. And, and if I went and said something to Jonathan, I said Annie did this, Jonathan, and it was something crazy. Like, y'all know how sweet Annie is. She smiles all the time. Like, you just know. If I said Annie slapped me for no reason, Jonathan would be like, that's hard for me to believe. Jonathan, you, so like, why, why is it hard for you to believe? You just going to call me a lot of my face? Yeah. Jonathan would say yes. He would, he'd just be direct, yes. Well, why don't you believe me, Jonathan? Because I know my wife. Because she's with me. 
And Jesus says, the world doesn't know the Holy Spirit, but you know him because he's with you and he's in you. The world, they don't know nothing about the Holy Spirit because they have no relationship with him. They, they don't accept him. Why? Because Jesus says they can't even see. They are blind to the Holy Spirit. And because they don't accept the Holy Spirit, the world doesn't get to set the standard of truth. I'm going in reverse here. Verse 17 says, Jesus calls the paraclete, the helper, the spirit of truth. The Holy Spirit, in, in other words, the Holy Spirit is the one who communicates the truth. And he has to communicate truth because he is God. And God is not a man that he should lie. So then the Holy Spirit helps those who love Christ to know what truth really is. That's why the world says that there is no objective truth. They don't have the Holy Spirit. We have the truth, the word of God, and the Holy Spirit shows us, illuminates to us what truth really is. So, so the Spirit helps us, the Spirit indwells us, but then there's another function that Jesus brings out. He is a teacher. Jump down to verse 26 and then we'll get out of here. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and will cause you to remember everything I said to you. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. Now, this is not necessarily new revelation that he's teaching. It's what Christ has already revealed. The Holy Spirit teaches and that he explains to us to understand what Christ has said and done. He helps disciples understand what Christ has taught. The way he teaches us and helps us is by helping us to recall all the things that Christ has said to us. Those are three duties of the Holy Spirit that Christ brings out in these verses. He is a helper. He is a teacher. And he indwells. He lives in us. That's the Holy Spirit. What then, what then, what then are we to do with this? Is this just to be some lesson on the Holy Spirit and now we know more about the Holy Spirit? No, here, here is what we should do as a result of this word. Number one, I told you earlier, because the Spirit is God, he is worthy of our adoration, honor, praise, and worship. We should be as in awe of the Spirit as we are as, as the Father and the Son. And so, beloved, the more we learn about the Holy Spirit, ought to make us so much in awe that we just say we worship you. We adore you. Sometimes it seems like we in the church 
especially in non-charismatic conservative circles, we treat the Holy Spirit as kind of like a stepchild of the Trinity. We, we act as if the Father and the Son, they really, 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 really are God. Then the Holy Spirit, you know, he's just like this attachment. We treat him like he's the third wheel mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit. But even in churches like the bridge, we ought to be in awe of the Spirit. We ought to be excited about the move of the Spirit. We ought to be living by the Spirit every day. We now live in the age of the Spirit. And so I refuse to give my Pentecostal and charismatic brothers and sisters uh, 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 the, the, the monopoly on the Spirit. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I was, I was a Baptist when I was born, and I'll be a Baptist when I'm dead. I was a Baptist bread, and I'll be a Baptist dead. But, but guess what? I'm still spiritual. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to tell out. I'm going to tell something. I'm going to tell y'all something. I'm going to tell y'all something. And this is scary because we got some, some new friends with us this morning, and y'all going to be scared. But I'm going to tell y'all the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help me, God. But let me tell you something. I'm a Pentecostal. Thank you, thank you. Watch this. If you saved and you know you saved, let me tell you a secret about yourself. You're a Pentecostal too. Now, I ain't talking about no denomination. No, y'all, we can argue about that later. When I'm talking about who you are as a person, if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you're a Pentecostal. Now, some people get nervous about this when I say you're a Pentecostal because they immediately think, oh, he must believe in speaking in tongues. He must believe in falling and being slain in the spirit. He must believe in running. And some of that stuff I do believe in, but that's not what being a, being a Pentecostal is all about. You want to know what being a Pentecostal is all about? It's loving the Lord. It's loving Jesus. It's obeying Jesus. It's being, being, having evidence of the fruit of the spirit. It's about life change and transformation. That's what I look for from Pentecostals. I don't care how many tongues you can talk in. I don't care about how many ways you prophesy. I mean, prophesy. I don't care about all that stuff. I want to see, have you been changed? Do you look more like the sun? Yeah, no, 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 no. We not, I'm not going to give anybody a monopoly of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I got the Holy Ghost. It was the Holy Ghost that saved me. It was the Holy Ghost that changed me. It's the Holy Ghost that's sanctifying me. It's the Holy Ghost that keep me from cussing some of these naughty members out. It's, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that makes me preach the way I preach. So we ought to be in awe. That's all I was trying to say is we ought to be in awe. <laughs> Y'all crazy. <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. Worship him. But then we ought to rely on him for help. He is there to help us. To help us. To help us. I got a three-year-old, Lily. Oh, y'all pray for Lily. Woo, she's three, and she will let you know she's three. Not with her words, but with her actions or her inactions. 
But sometimes Lily will be doing something, and Lily is at this stage now where I do it, I do it, I do it. Lily, let me help take off your shirt. I do it. Lily, let me help put on your shirt. I do it. And we got a bunch of lilies in the church now. Obey. I do it. Don't sin. I do it. Pray for your enemies. I do it. And we end up not doing it because we don't have the power in our own self to be able to do the things that we are called to do. Christ has given us the help that we need. And sometimes Lily struggles. She struggles and she struggles. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, she just starts crying. And I remind her, you said, I do it. And I remind her, now you at the point of, all you had to do was ask for help. Matter of fact, all you had to do was receive my help because I told you I would help you. And many of us are like Lily. We have reached a point to where we want to just give up. Because we are not relying on the Holy Spirit who is there to help us. We are frustrated because we're not growing in our walk with the Lord. Maybe it's because you have this spirit of, I do it. He's there to help us. You may be here, you, you need help with some direction. He's there to help us. But he's in us. And he's there to teach us. There may be somebody in this room. Worship team, come on. There may be somebody in this room who has not yet received the Holy Spirit. And the reason you have not yet received the Holy Spirit is because you are a part of the world that does not see him and does not accept him. But you don't have to stay on the outside. You don't have to stay a part of the world, this system of sin and rebellion against all things God. God actually so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to die your death, to be your substitute, to take the punishment you deserve for your sin, your crimes, your transgressions, your wrongs that deserve God's judgment God's wrath God sent his son the sinless one the perfect one the holy one to die your death in your place and now God has providentially sent you here this morning either in this room or on this live stream to hear this news that God loves you and he wants you in his family but you must bow down you must bend the knee surrender to Jesus Christ how do I surrender? I put in all of your faith 
all of your hope, all of your confidence, all of your dependence in Jesus Christ alone, who died, was buried, and rose on the third day with all power in his hands. Faith in Jesus alone. Not being a good person, not doing good things, not doing good works, not good enough. In Jesus, in Christ alone. The Holy Spirit there is here to give you the faith to believe. And so this morning we call on someone to respond by believing in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And the promise is you will be saved. You will have eternal life with God. For those of us who have received the Holy Spirit, are you really in good relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you love the Holy Spirit, trust in the Holy Spirit, rely on the Holy Spirit, listen for His voice? Let's stand and let's sing in response to God's revealed word.